0: Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast.
1: It's not that Dominic West isn't doing a good job as an actor. It's just I I couldn't get past the Dominic Westness of it. Um, And especially in contrast to Elizabeth (laughs) Debicki being cast as Princess Diana, who is like a dead ringer for Princess Diana. She just looks so much like her.
0: Um, It's pretty wild. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz and a cast of thousands begins now.
2: Well, that is our good friend, Jen Cheney of Vulture and New York Magazine. And Jen thinks Dominic West is entirely too good looking to play Prince Charles (laughs) at the crown. (laughs) And she's not the first person I've heard to say that. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries mightily to keep you up with the ever changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in Katz central headquarters
1: i am here pushing the (laughs) buttons we're all ready to roll
2: (laughs) well he's consulting with our staff of lawyers (laughs) this week we celebrate the return of the dynamic duo the joy boy of movies (laughs) in los angeles people magazine and observer.com correspondent oliver jones greetings Hello, Los Angeles and in D.C., the entertainment guru of WTOP Radio, Jason Fraley. And here we go. Let me start out by this way for both of you. Are you watching The Crown and what do you think? Or is that just an old guy's show and that's why I'm watching? Well,
1: I'm going to reserve judgment on that. uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I, I mean, I think there's all sorts of so, uh, young, vibrant people watching The Crown right now, and you can consider uh, themselves among their legion. No, I'm not watching <laughs> that one, but I am watching lots of good TV right now. I know I'm not normally caught up on television, but oh. last night I watched uh, the, the first episode of the premiere of a new uh, series of Fleischman is in Trouble. On, yeah, I um,
2: hear about that. On, what on do you Netflix,
1: think? On, on Hulu. Oh, I just thought it was terrific. You've reached Rachel Fleischman.
0: Is she still gone? I'm starting to think that it hasn't really gone on this long, you know?
1: What if something has happened to her? Uh, it was funny. It was like, um, it's like a sex comedy for, for lost 40-year-olds. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's, a, uh, it's just so sharply written. A dear uh, friend of mine, uh, Taffy brodesser Ackner, is the uh, executive uh, producer and writer of both the novel and the show, and has mm-hmm. just such a sharp, uh, resounding voice. I just adored it, and I highly recommend it.
2: It's Jesse Eisenberg, and he drops his uh, his uh, his wife drops the kids off and vanishes.
1: That's correct, and he and he also <laughs> is in the beginning days of uh, of his divorce, and he has just discovered uh, the sexual liberation of dating apps. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, oh. It's um it's really terrifically sharp, and the and um. Uh, the performances are really good. Uh, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's an adult sex comedy, uh, mm-hmm. drama. Uh, and I, I just, I couldn't recommend it more. And it's I the The Hulu. Yep. Awesome.
2: Jason, what about you? What are you on to?
0: I discovered, um, I've been watching this new show on Amazon prime. It's called the peripheral. Have you guys watched that yet? I've got it. Yeah, it's a sci it's a sci-fi series. Mm-hmm. I think it's only mm-hmm. five episodes in. I guess episode six drops this Friday. It's it stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Uh, she is a, a woman that that is puts on these virtual reality headsets. So you think yeah. it's like her and her brother are playing like a video game. Um, they're operating these like very lifelike um avatars. Um, and but the sort of the twist towards the end of the first episode is it's not virtual reality at all. They're actually operating um, these sort of robots in the in the real life future. So like they're they're Ooh. in the past, wearing these headsets, operating figures in in the future. You're inside what we call a peripheral. What do you mean? You think this is a game, but it's real. It's set in like the future London. Um, but you can tell that it's after some cataclysmic like almost world ending event because London has these giant statues that serve as air filters above the city. And it's sort of like smoggy, and there's not as many people out and about. Um, so it's it's interesting. I'm finding it fascinating. I'm real. I'm into it so far. I I, I am. Um, oh God. It's, it's a little it's a little complex. So I would you know as it's jumping back and forth between mm-hmm. the timeline. So I would say don't don't watch it if if you're tired. You know maybe <laughs> an earlier evening binge. <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of my Minority Report a little bit. So I'm into mm-hmm. it so far. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Either of you watching Dead to Me, I'm kind of interested in that. I like the first two seasons a lot.
0: Haven't caught that one. No, I haven't. (laughs) But I want to hear what you think of Dead to Me and and The Crown Arch. Yeah, what did you think of
1: The Crown Arch? Should we bother to watch it? uh, This is the fifth season
2: of The Crown. And uh, this season is the 90s. So uh, Prince Charles and Diana are uh, getting their divorce. And Diana gives her interviews. And Diana, you know, is Elizabeth Debicki, mm-hmm. the uh, very attractive, uh, I think she's Australian uh, actress who um, was in The Night Manager and some other things. And everyone thinks she looks a lot like Diana. And, you know, I'm a voyeur. <laughs> you know, you, you just you have to be voyeuristic to watch this stuff. Because they're replaying, she gives her interview to Andrew Morton, and then the queen comes in and says, well, why did you do that? Then (laughs) then she gets interviewed by Martin Bashir. I like The Crown because you learn a lot of things that I didn't know. Uh, In earlier seasons, I didn't know that that Philip was Greek royalty and that his mother was uh, somewhat manic-depressive. And, uh, and that uh, in this season, you learn that the uh, royals were related to the Romanovs who right. were assassinated, uh, you know, in the uh, 1917 uh, revolution.
0: And you also find out that, you know, that Prince Charles, you you find out what that what he was doing before he went to star in The Wire, you know, Dominic West. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes. But wait, seriously though, Arch, what, how do you make, how do you compare this Princess Diana performance to, you know, the one that we know you loved in Spencer?
1: Oh my gosh, don't make him <laughs> bring it up again. He hated that movie so much.
2: <laughs> they make her into a complete twit. And oh. uh, I kind of don't like that. And they they throw together some scenes of her and Charles discussing their relationship and, oh, why did we do this, that I, that I didn't believe for a minute. There is uh, a wonderful thread with the uh, Fayed family and how they come to know Diana and how Dodi and Diana get together. And they remind us that Dodi Fayed, uh put up the money for Chariots of Fire
1: That's right. That
2: he was quite a film producer. So I'm mixed on it. I'm mixed. I like some of it. A lot of it doesn't ring true uh it's gossip and it's voyeuristic
1: well lou if you don't have arch uh saying i'm a voyeur as part of the intro <laughs> to this show uh, i'm going to be extremely disappointed it's got to be one of the best sound bites i've heard in a while
0: and and the chariots of fire yeah. uh theme music underneath yes. yeah. now uh, you've I, got I, plenty I, of material i'm saving that for the for the
1: blooper uh reel there right? <laughs>
2: Are, are you watching The Crown at the in the cat's uh, household, Louie?
1: It's so funny, Arch, that you mentioned that because we just watched uh-huh. it last night and I slept through about half of it.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, there you go. There's a review for you.
1: That's my, that's my review. I have to say, listening to you describe it, Arch. You know, I used to work at People Magazine, and just hearing right. you describe it is yeah. kind of giving me PTSD to my time at People Magazine. <laughs> was like, they had to pay me a lot to care about that stuff right i mean uh, they really had to pay a premium for me to, to give you know my attention over to the royal family uh, that we divided ourselves from a long time ago and now for some reason you're pushing me back and you're telling me i should do it for free and i'm not sure why i would do that uh, it's
2: beautifully produced and okay. you know and it's it's good content Uh, even though I think this is probably the weakest season so far. So there you are. I'm mixed on it, but I watched it, and uh, we cleared our week. Every night, we'd watch two hours' worth. We went through 10 episodes over five nights. Very good. And we're happy. But uh, Dominic West really is entirely too good-looking to play (laughs) Prince (laughs) Charles. I told this story last week. Maybe you two know it. There's a local piece of gossip that uh, Prince Charles came to Washington and was interviewed on Channel 7. And the owners of Channel 7, the All Britons, also owned the Riggs Bank. So they had a relationship with the royal family and with the Bank of England. And the Channel 7 photographer took a cutaway of the prince. That showed his bald spot. <laughs> <laughs> and comedy ensued. Uh. I think people were lashed and fired and uh, there was much gnashing of teeth over that. It's kind of a I don't know how much of it is true, but it's it's one of those good local TV stories.
0: Uh, did you Why get not- in
1: trouble back then for not booking that interview arch? Why did that happen?
0: Well, you know you get now you can wear a you can wear a crown to cover up the bald uh, spot. <laughs>
2: so that's it. So what else do we got? what are you what are you watching uh, at the movies?
0: on the movie side, um well, first of all, um I know we, we went into it last week, so I won't kill too much time with it. but. Um, I finally watched All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, uh, I know, mm, I'll, and I, mm. and I think it's as good as as Oliver was saying. I mean, it's, oh, good. it's that. Um, and and I love the original 1930, the first sound film to win Best Picture. We mentioned that last time, but um, it really, I thought it was just like brilliantly directed. The way it juxtaposes, um, the you know the quiet nature, the natural world, the you know the treetops, and then boom, we're, and then. Abruptly cuts down into the bloody trench warfare. Just that reminder that you know war is how do you say it? like mankind's worst addiction, man. We we still haven't learned that lesson with the war no. in Ukraine.
1: It's interesting. Uh, Paul Schrader, the great uh, director and writer, argues that all war movies are pro-war uh, just by mm. nature of being. But but even he conceded that that film was as close as you can get to an anti-war war film.
0: Oh, and, uh,
1: where where is it? Who's carrying it?
0: Um, it was in theater at Netflix too, but
1: didn't they also put it in theaters or is it just, Yes, they opened it in theaters for a couple of weeks and now they've pulled it from theaters and it's on streaming.
0: Yeah. Mm, Right. I also, speaking of Netflix, I watched another movie that, that dropped, it was straight to Netflix. That's called the wonder it's, it's based on a novel by Emma Donahue who, who wrote room, the, the source novel of room that Brie Larson, I love that movie. That was great. Um, this one is set during the great Irish famine of the 1840s. (laughs) And um, it's it's Florence Pugh who was so good in Little Women and Midsummer and all that. Um, this time she's this nurse who's called to monitor uh, a young girl who supposedly hasn't eaten in in four months. Oh, and right. all of the religious, um, you know, leaders and family and everything in in that small village are think it's some miracle and they're amazed. Anna is in danger.
2: She's an actress.
0: She's chosen.
2: Are you
1: feeling well in yourself, Anna?
0: Very well, Father. Thank you. It's this like faith, faith versus science thing, but it kind of reminds me of um, that Carl Theodore Dreyer that 1955 movie Ordet. Did you guys ever see Ordet?
1: Yes. Yeah. Where the guy, the one guy, the second.
0: brother. It was like three brothers, and one brother claimed to actually be Christ, and then in the end, maybe he is. There's a resurrection. So um, this one, <laughs> this one has a has. A, 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 more of a the op, the inverse sort of theme I would say it's the director of a fantastic woman Sebastian Lelio I think but it's it's in, it's an interesting movie it, but uh, it's set inside this like framing device that I don't know entirely works like they break the fourth wall once and there's bookends on the beginning and end of the movie where you're not in the 1840s Ireland you're like in like it opens where you're on a Hollywood set and then it pans into uh the set and then we plunge into so it's I don't know if that entirely works, so I'd say I'm like mixed the positive on it.
2: Hmm.
0: Have,
1: have either of you guys seen The Fablemans yet?
0: No, I'm dying to.
2: I'm, yeah. I'm gonna see it Thanksgiving Day. Oh, that's that, a good that Thanksgiving That brings movie. up the Thanksgiving season. And I think The Fablemans is the one film everyone will wanna see at Thanksgiving. Uh, so the first couple of questions, do we still have a Thanksgiving movie season? is there still a holiday movie season
1: you just hit it on on the head i mean that's a that that's a movie kind of about the idea of families and movies and 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 the stories that we tell so uh, i think it it captures it pretty well plus uh the the mother uh played by um michelle williams um, yeah she's a concert pianist with lovely nails so she hates to do dishes so she only serves Food on uh, paper plates with, uh, with paper um, uh, tablecloths, and when the family's done, she just picks up the whole tablecloth and throws it all in the trash.
0: So, <laughs> is my are there, suggestion are, that are, everyone are, do that over Thanksgiving? Uh, the, are, the, are there mashed potato mountains on those paper plates? <laughs> <laughs> like devil's tower. So wait, you have so you have seen it, Oliver? Oh yes, I saw it a while ago. You dismiss what he does? It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging.
1: I liked it. You know, I'm not sure that I, I loved it to the degree that some of my fellow critics, but I but I think that's um, you know, splitting hairs. I think it's a movie that's very much worth seeing. It's very involving. The ideas of it are are, are, are fascinating. And certainly as someone, you know, like myself who who grew up you know in the, it loving the movies and and feeling um a certain type of um you know escape and survival through uh, understanding cinema uh, you know uh, it was it was very satisfying um and there're lots of there're lots of treats in it um including um uh, david lynch playing um uh, john ford uh, <laughs> which uh, which caps the film um uh, and the movie um Uh, starts with um, The Greatest Show on Earth, uh, the first movie that that, uh, Spielberg ever saw in a movie theater, and ends with uh, John Ford. And it's basically a sort of journey through cinema uh, with those uh, as the book ends. Um, And
2: anybody who ever saw The Greatest uh, Show on Earth remembers the train wreck where the animals get out and everybody is screaming and yelling. And it's probably the best train wreck only surpassed by the fugitive years later
0: and well, don't forget and, and bridge on the river kwai what have well, i done yeah <laughs> or lawrence it, of arabia they did they, <laughs> they, they there's a bunch of good ones i guess but yeah um they actually just did they were talking about spielberg was talking about watching that train crash scene um on oh cbs sunday morning the i guess <clears> the other <throat> weekend and um he was it sounds like the Fablemans is like Arguably his most personal movie, obviously because it's about his childhood. But it sound in the CBS Sunday Morning package, um, it was a revelation to me. Um, of, I mean, we all knew knew his parents were dealing, you know, going through divorce. That's all over e. ET, etc. But um, I didn't know until I saw this news package that for years Spielberg blamed his dad for the divorce. But um, no spoilers. He actually in real life came to realize decades later that his mom might have been the one, and the dad was
1: covering for. It. <clears throat>
0: well so, what's yeah. so
1: interesting is you know I, I i am a you know i'm a child of divorce who grew up on spielberg movies and all of spielberg movies have been about divorce yeah right it's yeah. like the only it's like the main theme that have run through all of his films it's about understanding with divorce and yeah and this so 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 spielberg's parents divorce is like the the patient zero of, right. of all of all sort of divorces <laughs> and it's certainly in terms of um of our understanding and processing of of what divorce means, uh certainly for people of my age and my generation and and let's face it, I'm of the divorce generation where 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 so many couples you know uh, um, uh, who had children around when I was born were were splitting up. and so I think in terms of um you know it's his most <laughs> it's the most essential movie because it go it dives into the wreck of his you know central idea, uh, which is the dissolution of the family for that reason alone it's it's fascinating
2: well and, it played at toronto and it played at several other other film festivals and the movie arrives pretty much pre-reviewed i mean it's pretty much landing this is this is a must see movie
1: yeah I, I, I would agree with that assessment uh, and and also you know i know that there's been a lot of grumbling and griping about long movies uh, this year. But, um, mm. you know, I have to say, uh, I really enjoy losing, you know, an afternoon or an evening into uh, a, the complete yeah. world of a movie. I, I really yeah. don't mind it. And and, and there are some, I, I think that there have been many movies this year that have earned their long uh, length time. And in fact, I, I saw one this week uh, that was three hours and 15 minutes called Babylon, uh, mm. which we will be talking about. Uh, I I'll save it for our Christmas special. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's quite something. Is that Whoa. Damien is
0: that Damien Chazelle?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. And imagine um uh, Singing in the Rain crossed with Boogie Nights crossed with The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh. Uh, and yeah. basically that's, that's what you have with this. One. <laughs> and, uh, are
2: either of you working on a, on a 10 best list? Can you think of 10 movies you literally loved this year so far?
0: I, I mean, we, we do it at the end of every year, but I feel, I feel like um, this it's going to be hard. a little, it's going to be a trickier this year, but, but because of the same, problem is every year um I feel like all of the the Oscar contenders are, are mostly uh, most public people haven't even been able to watch them yet they're not even out mm-hmm. yet you know what I mean here we are mid-november and we have about a less than a month to do our list and I'm sitting here looking at all the titles and I'm like most people haven't seen any of these. And have you been getting the award screeners? I've been, only got like three so far. Movies I don't want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mine might be won't... a little more populist this year. We'll see. But <laughs> My, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how much cramming I can do um, once we get them. But um, So The Fablemans is definitely a must. How do you compare it to Empire of Light? Have you seen the Sam Mendes one? Or, or I haven't over? seen
1: that one yet, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, Bardo too. There's a lot of love I... of cinema movies. Uh, coming out. And that's certainly one of the things that have been playing through uh, the fiction films this year. But I want to mention what a stellar and very incredibly varied year it has been for documentaries. And the documentaries are going to get better and better as they go along. Um, Right now at AFI Silver, there's um, a a movie called All That Breeze about um, uh, brothers in in New Delhi, India, who have um, Kind of dedicated their lives to to saving a uh, a bird called the black kite there, a um wow. meat eating bird that is that is uh, falling from the skies from the uh, toxic air in uh, in uh, New delhi. and it's a movie about nature and about um our declining you know air that we breathe and 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 about how we you know how we're changed by that and how and how we can change that and it, it I saw it at Sundance, and it was very, very moving, terrific score, great photography. uh and uh you guys have an opportunity to see it on a on a terrific screen. so that that's one uh that might make my last list, but I, I think it, if it does it uh it won't be the only documentary.
2: I found something that I'm going to uh in all uh likelihood put on my ten best list, and it is weird. With oh. Daniel Redcliffe oh, yeah. as Weird, Weird Al, Al movie? Yankovic,
0: yeah,
2: it's on the Roku channel. You can watch it for free. Uh, it's not in theaters, and it's a parody of uh, of this guy whose comedy career was writing parody songs. <laughs> and have you
1: seen it, Oliver? Have you? Have I haven't you- seen it yet. But Arch, could you ever imagine a world where you would be giving a best? <laughs> Uh, one of the 10 best movies <laughs> yes. on the Smoker Channel. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, <laughs> yeah, it, isn't that sort of like uh, having a best <laughs> film on like <laughs> uh, Channel 20? You know, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's just such a strange <laughs> world that we live Daniel
2: in. Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al, and, uh, and it's a totally made up, complete piece of fiction about uh, Weird Al's life. And the high point in the movie comes when he goes to a party hosted by Dr. Demento. And at the party, all of Weird Al's influences are there, including Salvador Dali, uh, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman, uh, Wolfman Jack,
0: <laughs>
2: right. a few other people. There's an Oprah imitator. And now, it, it's just, and for Dan, you know, we think of little Harry Potter being so serious. It's so Wild and out of control, that I I just I highly recommend it to both of you, and it's on you know the Roku channel for free.
0: I'm glad that they're having fun with it and not trying to do a straight you know biopic because, like you're saying, he's the master of parody, uh-huh. so might as well uh-huh. have, have a parody of it. Um, do do they um do they i hope it's dedicated to to coolio who just passed away because i thought um amish paradise was uh, you know the send-up of gangster's paradise i grew up with that <laughs> and fun fact in our fourth grade talent show weird al inspired me us to write uh an environmental piece called nature's paradise <laughs> 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 so i can't wait to see it weird <laughs> oh you'll
2: love it also uh Madonna shows up as his girlfriend. Do I know you?
1: Madonna. I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a
0: Virgin. I'm curious,
2: is that song autobiographical?
0: Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex.
2: The conclusion is just out of control. so uh, so i'm I'm a big fan of Weird.
1: Does like so, like Patton Oswald, your buddy, play Doctor Demento? Uh, uh, Arch? No, it was Rain Wilson. Oh, oh,
2: that's right. Of course, even better. Uh, 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 Patton uh, plays himself. He's <laughs> a uh, he's a heckler at a <laughs> at a concert, <laughs> and he's real good at heckling as we know
0: <laughs> speaking so. of wi- wild movies like that um and crazy zany antics there's another one i haven't watched but we should mention that um the the sequel to a, cri- a christmas story comes on hbo oh. max this weekend right about and peter yes. billings peter Billingsley yes. returns as adult ralphie now returns to that house. I'm,
2: i am resistant to that me too i'm i'm res- <laughs> are you
0: well, um, I mean, I the first one, I I I know actually. Oh. By the way, I know a lot of people that that aren't fans of the the original. It's just played over and over, twenty four hours, mm-hmm. so it seeped into us. But I love it. My family and I have, have loved it. I remember watching it, um, you know, renting it, and it's just it's to me, it's the narration of you know what I mean. Like, um, what, what's my favorite line? He goes in the heat of battle,
2: my father wove a tapestry of obscenity. That, as far as we know, is still hanging in space over Lake Michigan. <laughs> oh, God. It was written by um, uh, a, a writer, uh, Gene, late Gene night Shepard. Dis- Gene yeah. Shepard. Yeah. Gene she- and, you know, Gene Shepard is no longer with us. And yeah. uh, his, his narration certainly makes uh, that film.
1: I, I have to say, a sequel to that movie is a hard pass. I don't know if this is going to surprise you, Arch, but I recall. Seeing that movie when it came out um at the Tenley town with my dad, oh, wow. and I can't quite recall why, but it just enraged him. He hated it so much. <laughs> uh, like, uh, he was like offended to his bones by my uh christmas story uh, i i have I have learned to appreciate uh certain aspects of it, but I will never forget oh. my father's disdain for that film, though so i I wish i understood or remembered
0: why. I well, now have this image in my brain of little Oliver with, and riding home Daddy. from the movie with Davy Marlon Jones. They stop to fix the tire, and Daddy. Oliver spills the lug nuts and says fudge. <laughs> Only he didn't say fudge. <laughs> Where do
2: I get you home?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh wait, what's you know, the, the seat? What's the seat? By-
2: Bob Clark did that, and he had done the Porky's movies. People were just, by then, they thought, you know, what could he possibly do that we would want to watch? But the answer was a Christmas story.
0: I think I think what really made it, ca- along with the airing twenty four seven, captured the imaginations because of, I mean we mentioned Spielberg divorce et cetera, but mm. um, I think it captured sort of that dysfunctional family just like the Griswolds did. You know what I mean? That every family was like, you know what, maybe our family's not perfect, but we have right. we can come together around the holidays in our our pink. Pink nightmare pajama, pink rabbit, <laughs> whatever. But what's right. the what's the, what's the log, Like what's the poster tagline for this? You'll shoot your eye out again. Like yeah. <laughs> you'll shoot your other eye out. <laughs> uh,
2: I want to mention to both of you uh, a couple of things that have happened in town here. Uh, the Washington Post published a nice tribute to Alan Rubin. Whom you may remember as the man who operated the Biograph Theater in Georgetown. Yes. I know that Oliver does, and uh, the Biograph was one of those great independent movie houses. And uh, Oliver, I'm sure you have some thoughts on the Biograph.
1: Oh, I mean the 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 first thing that I think about when the the Biograph are the animation uh, festivals that they used to play. Um, Right, And and the first time being able to see animation that wasn't for children, uh, adult animation, uh, even when I still was young. And that whole idea um, and, you know, and of course, seeing great artists like Bill Plimpton and others. But there was only one place in D.C. to see something like that. uh, And that was the Biograph. Um, Oh, and
2: remember, they had Expose Yourself. It was a night where if you made a movie, you could show up and they would show it to a crowd. there was this local group, the Langley Punks, and that's how they got their start. Their highlight was Alcoholics Unanimous, (laughs) 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 which ends in a musical number of when the Red Red Robin goes bob, bob, bob bobbing (laughs) along.
1: The things (laughs) you remember are... Uh, I also uh, have a have a great recollection of my mother taking me to see um the documentary visions of Light uh, at the Biograph about mm-hmm. cinematography in classic oh, wow. hollywood. and um and that was one of those movies um uh, that uh, you know, I never really had thought to to that extent about about the camera work in in these great films and And I think it was really that movie and watching it in that theater that really. Mm changed my perspective, I think, permanently on uh, on movies. And uh, and it's only movie theaters like that where you can have experiences like that. But now all of the great movie theaters of Washington, D.C. are CVSs.
0: Um,
2: right, it's and true.
1: And that's it's just another, a, you know.
2: ridiculous.
0: Now, what year model. did that close, the biograph? Was it mid-90s, 96?
2: Uh, I'm okay. trying to I, he opened it in the late 60s, and I think it closed in the late 90s. I think he had a 30-year run. You know what I saw there? I saw Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story. Oh, wow.
1: With, with the, first the movie.
2: Barbie dolls. And <laughs> I think it played a few days, and then the family sued, and the movie was taken out of circulation.
1: Well, the Mattel company also sued um, uh, for the use of, of Barbie, as, and really, you hadn't, you know, you were one of the people that were able to see that in a movie theater. You can yeah, get it on you, YouTube. You can, get, you can find bootlegs boot bootlegs on YouTube. My uh, wow. uh, my students told me last week we were having a long conversation. I mean, this is the first film oh. by the great uh, Todd Haynes. Oh, you've
2: you got to see this! Yeah. And in one scene, uh, Barbie barfs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's got it's not funny, but it is funny. Wow, <laughs> I said, is vomiting <laughs> <laughs> after she has a big meal. <laughs>
0: uh, i sadly never got to go to the biograph you never got to go to
2: the biograph but it does
0: remind me of a story with you arch you probably don't even remember this but there was some screening um i think i gave you a ride from georgetown to tenleytown after a screening and that like gave you a ride back and i remember we were heading up wisconsin avenue and just listening to arch go Hey that used to be a theater that used to be a theater uh, you're know, pointing oh, yeah. out the window on the way up Oh um, man blew my mind institutional knowledge right there boy
2: <laughs> I'm telling you there's well, there's
0: I just um I just flashed on a memory of
1: me being about Four or five years old and singing, singing in the rain at the biograph and oh, wow. running through the aisles like dancing and jumping and uh, <laughs> not being able to sit down being so excited by the by the dancing and the um and my my parents making a vain attempt to try to control me but uh I, they weren't able to do it and uh and after Exuberance. a while I just enjoyed it i guess
2: yeah well he, he did a wonderful thing uh, running the Biograph Theater, and those were great days when repertoire could uh, stock a theater. Yeah. Uh, we need to mention uh, a great uh, radio voice from D.C. Uh, Jim Bohannon passed away this week. You may remember he was the all-night talk show guy on Mutual Radio. and His claim to fame is... Uh, uh he took over for larry king it's uh, been wonderful this uh, outpouring of affection i i am overwhelmed i i thank you so uh, so very very much you've uh, you've uh, truly honored me and uh, and humbled me and i i i, I just can't uh, thank all of you so very much for this uh, wonderful blessing of a career I've had Lou
1: you knew it I did uh, I actually met him several times and a really quick story I used to be a kid and I used to go by the world building in Silver Spring on Georgia Avenue when WGAY was beautiful music and Jim Bohannon was up there spinning the actual beautiful music albums on turntables you get off the elevator and there's a big glass window right. and you could look in the yeah. studio and one day I came up there and he signaled to the glass Come over here, and I about had a heart attack, and he gave me a tour. So that's my first oh, chance of hanging out with oh. uh, Jim Bohannon. He was he was a great guy. Wow,
0: yeah, and he actually anchored mornings at already my radio station at WTOP for year. I think um for years and um quite a while. Famous, I think it's before I got there, but it was, there was a famous story in in 1977. Where um there was a he anchored for 21 hours straight during the that terrorist attack where 150 people mm. were taken hostage in three DC buildings mm. before he went syndicated.
2: I don't know do they have all night radio shows now that's that's another thing uh gone uh another thing of the past but I understand he worked uh, right up till the end so uh, we celebrate. Jimbo Hammond. Well, what shall we recommend for this weekend?
1: I think there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I, I'm going to recommend a, a, a movie playing over the weekend at um at the AFI Silver, uh, which is uh, Meet Me at St. Louis with the greatest child performance of all time on uh, Margaret O'Brien. Uh, mm. I like to end the Christmas season uh, in tears because that's how I know it's going to end. And you get all
0: uh, so, four seasons in that with the Vincent Minnelli, you know, yeah. the title cards.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm jealous that I'm not uh, where you guys are, and I'm I, I won't be able to see it this weekend. But hopefully, it's playing here somewhere.
2: Uh, uh does, with the AFI, does they have a theater in LA where they yes, show? uh
1: uh-huh. We have so many great revival uh, uh, options out here in Los Angeles. It's really one of the best things about living mm-hmm. here.
2: Well, cool. Yeah. Jason, what about you?
0: I guess I'll um I'm I'll recommend uh the peripheral on Amazon uh prime if you want a series. Um and yeah. then I also want to real quick, I know we're in our final seconds, I want to wish a happy 80th birthday today as we record this to the great Martin Scorsese.
2: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. Mm. Oh, bravo. Right. Astro. So
0: many. Taxi driver, raging bull. Good it goes bravo. on and on. But I think almost as important as all of that is the you know the off-screen stuff he's done for film preservation and just being a, cin- a cinephile teaching a generations to become cinephiles I'm great vertigo was one of his
2: that he saved he's something uh, well and i'll throw in a plug for weird <laughs> and it's <laughs> always weird fun to talk with oliver jones of observer.com and jason braley of wtop lou Katz. have a happy thanksgiving Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.
0: This is the CATS Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast,
2: but a pod